The world is evolving at a faster pace than ever before. As we begin the path to recovery after worldwide disruption, this podcast explores how the design industry can adapt to changing expectations and create a better future for your businesses and consumers. I'm your co-host, Peter Marion, and you're listening to Create Tomorrow, the WGSN podcast. Touch plays a critical role in socialization. From hugging our friends, kissing our lovers, to shaking hands on a deal, touch plays an important role in how we exist in the world. Physical contact of this kind releases oxytocin, a hormone that reduces stress and anxiety, boosts positive mood and stimulates social bonding. Prior to the pandemic, we were facing an intimacy recession as people spent more time socializing on their phones and less time connecting with each other in person. The coronavirus pandemic has accelerated this shift even further, with lockdowns putting physical distance between us, and in some regions, as people start to come back out into the world, there's the constant fear of contamination or transmission. In this episode, we're going to be exploring what the fear of touch looks like for consumers, but also what it will mean for both the beauty and retail industries. How can we remain safely apart while also finding ways of maintaining emotional connection? To help find some answers to these big questions, we've brought together some of our WGSN experts. First up, we've got Claire Varga, head of WGSN Beauty. Hi, Claire. How are you? Hi, Peter. I'm great. Thank you. And you've just come back from holiday. So how was that? Oh, it was lovely. I looked out with the weather um, and yes, I'm fully relaxed and, and ready to chat. And we also have Laura Saunter, a fellow senior strategist on WGSN Insight. Hey, Laura. How are you? Hi, Peter. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And you have also been on holiday, so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was good, thanks. Just nice and chilled, rained a lot, but, you know, that's the UK. And lastly, we have Martina Rocca, a strategist on WGSN Insight. Martina, how are you? Hello, Peter. I'm very well, and you? Good, good. And you are actually on holiday at the moment, so tell us a little bit about where you are at the moment. I'm very well. I'm based in Mexico City. Very nice. Such a nice uh, new landscape. Okay, so let's begin. So we've moved into this period where there's a real fear of contact. Martina, can you please talk a little bit about what this means from a consumer perspective? Sure. So I think that the pandemic has radically changed consumer attitudes around contact and touch. So imposed physical distancing and fear of contagion has made people very fearful of touch, of interacting physically with each other. But we have to understand that touch is such a basic human need that is used for activating a series of mechanisms in the human brain, such as mood regulations or such as relaxation. So we need human touch, we need skin-to-skin physical interaction. So the absence of physical interaction has um, a very negative impact on mental and physical well-being in humans. So I believe that consumer post-pandemic will seek uh, emotional and physical touch in consumer experiences, in brand experiences that should focus much more on emotional value, comfort and distress. And in terms of like this idea of um, intimacy and connection, I think one of the things that you talked about in that great touch report that you did, Martina, was really around that idea of skin hunger. Can you tell, tell us a little bit more about that? So as I mentioned previously, coronavirus has really changed attitudes around touch and intimacy because of social isolation, distancy, and of course, 
fear of touch, we are not interacting physically with each other. So the traditional attitudes around intimacy and relationship have changed very quickly and very radically. So for example, like um, at first day, like kissing or taking somebody by hands has taken a, a new, completely different new value and meaning. So for example, the element of consent will become very important. So we will ask consent and permission to interact physically with like a partner or with a new friend or somebody we don't know. That's a really interesting thing that you, you mentioned there around consent and conversations. And I think that ties into much more broader sort of themes that we've been thinking about around romantic relationships, more generally speaking, even before the pandemic, this idea about sort of very conscious communication. Sort of to open this up to everybody else here, as sort of intimacy was a key theme that we were seeing before the pandemic, how do you expect that to shift now that we're all really scared of coming into each other? Claire, do you want to start? Yeah, it's a really interesting subject. But the thing is, we're we're not just scared of other people. We're actually even fearful of our own hands is one of the things that that we're discovering in beauty. You know, we touch our own faces around 16, you know, times an hour. And that's for various reasons. It can, but, you know, a lot of it is for comfort and reassurance. Um, And this, this, fear of not being able to self-soothe ourselves, you know, to actually touch our own skin directly is is really complicated. And we're looking for ways to sort of uh, mitigate touch or actually find other ways to just completely reduce the touching our faces altogether. And Laura, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think, you know, touching things, especially in, in shopping and in retail, which is what I sort of specialize in and think about is is so important, like touching a product, touching a garment, trying something on, being able to feel that you have a kind of intimate, intimate connection with the product that you're buying. So obviously, you know, everything's had to kind of be reassessed and everyone wants a lot more sort of control and a lot more space when they're in a store now. So, you know, before stores were all about kind of encouraging people to touch things, all about human connection, all about uh, building an emotional connection between the brand and the consumer. And now it's almost like this kind of focus on touch-free commerce, cleanliness, like this kind of low-impact society. So I think for retailers, you know, they're really having to shift the way that they think about communicating with consumers. And I think that's something that is going to, you know, be, be a consideration for a long time. Absolutely. And I think that idea of tactility is so important and how, you know, the idea of picking up a piece of beautiful fabric like a cashmere and that, and that, and that has a real emotional resonance for us and, and not being able to do that really makes it much harder to make a purchasing decision uh, yeah. when you're out shopping. What we've lost in, uh, in, in physical intimacy, though, it's quite interesting. I think we've, we've gained in emotional intimacy within our retail experiences. You know, brands, retailers are having to work much harder to make those connections with us. So in beauty, that's meant lots of one-to-one, you know, consultations. You get a lot more interpersonal time. You know, we've had virtual conversations with with experts that we normally wouldn't get anywhere near. You know, we would not get access to these people. Um, Heightened delivery, you know, it's it's almost become a very concierge-like experience. So in some ways, the, the customer services has got better and a lot of people, you know, I'm talking to and clients that we're talking to have felt that they have a much stronger bond. So it, it's interesting that even though they've lost some physical intimacy, they've, they've gained emotionally. And, you know, for brands, that's 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 amazing. That that equals loyalty. You know, it's it's uh, it's much harder, as we all know, to break up with somebody that you have an emotion, emotional bond with. And I think that that carries into retail as well. 
That's actually, um, that's a really key topic. I think we're really <laughs> going to go into a lot of depth in this episode. Laura, sorry, I know that you have a lot of thoughts on that. What, what do you think about what this sort of high touch and emotional connection looks like in the longer term? Yeah, I think, you know, traditionally, you know, you always saw sort of luxury brands being synonymous with impeccable customer service. But, you know, that's really being recreated throughout all retailers, you know, mid-level mass retailers as well, because, you know, essentially they're having to really up the ante around service. And also what this means is that a lot of retailers have been forced to really, really step up their omnichannel strategies. So things like what Claire mentioned around delivery, uh, things like buying online and picking up in store, things like curbside pickup, um, you know, one hour delivery, that sort of thing. So I think I think, you know, all of these are becoming really key considerations and actually necessities for retailers. And, you know, as you say, as Claire was saying, that creates um, a more loyal consumer, because if you know that you're going to get this excellent service and you know you're going to get your item, and you don't necessarily have to go into the store for it, then, you know, that's that's a really good selling point for you to buy something from that brand. jump back to the consumer for a second um one of the things i was really curious about is how are people finding ways of mitigating it against the ability to touch each other laura do you want to kick off with this yeah um I mean, I don't know about you guys, but loads and loads of my friends have actually got pets during the lockdown. So dogs or cats or whatever. And, um, you know, owning these little animals is sort of proving a bit of a lifesaver, really, for lots of people, because it's like that kind of sense of companionship. And obviously, you know, (laughs) you can touch them, you can smother them with love. um, And, you know, they provide like a sort of, um, you know, they give you some structure and they lift your mood and they reduce loneliness and stuff. I think especially for people that either have young families or people that maybe live alone. Um, I can think of at least two or three of my friends who've got cats and then, you know, double that number who've got little dogs and things. So I think I was reading the other day something like pet classified sites are seeing like a six-fold increase in signups and something like, you know, 155 views per advert on Pets for Homes, which is just crazy. And, um, you know, people are sort of gazumping each other trying to buy puppies and things um so yeah i definitely think that um pet ownership is really spiking and i think that's because people are really craving that kind of intimate connection that they can't have necessarily with their friends or with their loved ones or whatever so they're sort of smothering their their animals with love and with with care I mean, that's something that I've actually been doing through this pandemic period. I've fostered a greyhound and it has been one of the best experiences that I can think of. Uh, It's been lovely. Yeah, and and we can back that up from a beauty point of view as well. Um, uh, Pet beauty products have seen quite an uptick, quite a spike during uh, lockdown and and, and during this period. And it's been in particularly things like uh, shampoos and grooming materials. So, you know, we are looking, actively looking to, you know, comfort and very sensorial sort of you know um uh, it's, it's a very sensorial experience for both parties and i think you know we're looking for excuses to groom and pet and pamper and, and i think that's that's filling quite a quite a big touch void for people in, in beauty as well uh, you know in terms of how people have been finding ways to fulfill that need for touch we've, we've definitely sort of seen a shift to uh, rituals not routines is, is how we've been describing it and you know everyday beauty routines have been a real they've been a real anchor point for people during this period and they've been a real source of of, of comfort and 
and things like the, you know, the very much the everyday cleanse tone moisturize have very much become about self-care. They've become more meditative, more sensual. It's been a time for people to be very focused on themselves. And um, it's been very much about the, just the movement, the action of actually cleansing or washing your face. Um, and we've seen because of that sales of tools, particularly tools that are just beautiful, are ergonomic, are just delicious to touch. We've seen those becoming more and more um, popular. So you've got gua sha and brushes and applicators. So people are really sort of filling that touch void um, with, with, you know, just actually making the, those very basic everyday routines that we do much more, more sensual. And on the back of that as well, bath and body products have, have been huge. Um, obviously, they fulfill the need for hygiene. Uh, but, you know, water on skin is deeply tactile. It's, it's, it replicates a lot of hu- human touch. So products that are, you know, very sensual, so lots of foams, lots of oils, have really been um, very popular during this period. And it's, it, it's people, that's what people are using to fill that, that need for touch, that, and that, that sort of sensuality. Claire, you've just uh, basically started to make me salivate and want to buy a ton of stuff uh, in the beauty sector. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, where are these products? Send me a list, please. Um, I, you'll have to do it after this uh, this episode. But uh, I, but they're really fun as well. I think that's the thing. You know, touch is very joyful, and there's been things like shower fizzers that sort of explode and they'll fizz on your feet and they'll release scent. And it, it is that very it, we we're just craving that stimulation. I think so. Yes, I'll I'll point you in the right direction, definitely, Peter. sort of the design futures sector uh, martina in your touch report you looked at some technology solutions that recreate the sense of touch or intimacy um, as we're all uh, scared of coming into contact with each other martina can you tell us a little bit more about what those sorts of things look like sure so creatives and designers are kind of using uh, the absence of touch as like a sort of beautiful and creative constraints to create solutions especially using technology as a medium to create such solutions. So I'll bring you an example, a very interesting example by Lucy McRae. She's an Australian fictional and speculative designer and she defines herself as a body architect. And last year she created this speculative project called Compression Carpet. And basically Compression Carpet is like an artificial machine that reproduces the sensation of hugging. So through her research, she um, discovered that when we hug a person, the skin-to-skin contact releases certain chemicals in the human brain that are responsible for regulating our mood to help us to de-stress and relax. And basically, through this machine, which is like a sort of um, um, artificial machine creates by textile that inflates and deflates. It kind of looks like a cocoon, doesn't it? Exactly. It creates exactly this. It creates through inflation and deflation, it creates the feeling of like a human hug. 
Um, and moving on to sort of the beauty industry, because it's an industry that is very much built upon touch. When we go to the hairdresser, you know, someone's touching our hair. There's nothing more joyous than having uh, your hairdresser wash your hair. How is that going to change um, as a result of this fear of touch, Claire? It, hugely. There's there's no other way about it. I mean, the, the impact that this has had on the beauty industry, our in-store experience has, has been you know, great, but the impact it's had on the professional sector and treatments, the shifts are pretty much, you know, tectonic, they are huge. So as well as the sort of, you know, the PPE and the the more visible hygiene, the the whole industry is changing. It's 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 less spontaneous for a one thing. You know, the the walk in is pretty much a, a thing of the past now. So you're going to get your nails done anyway. So it's less of a treat. You know, the the experience will be much more pared back. So no waiting areas, no glossy magazines. You know, no extra cappuccino and a bit of cake or a glass of fizz. So so the the, the experience, the the pleasurable. You know, and it is part of the experience. A lot of that has sort of have gone away um you know in in terms of hair and nails these areas are bouncing back fairly quickly they're adapting they, they really sort of hit the ground running um and consumer confidence is definitely there but we're looking at shorter appointments we're looking at you know possibly a move away from in hair styles that need a lot of color because you know that means more high maintenance and more salon visits so we are seeing a shift to you know shorter hairstyles low maintenance hairstyles less color so all these things that you might not think about are, are having a huge impact um, but when you get into the areas of things like facials and massages, I mean, that, that's, that's where things are still getting tricky and we're still finding our way as an industry. You're definitely seeing an edited you know, menu of services and, and shorter treatments at the moment. Um, people are still very nervous. So there's a lot of focus on below the neck treatments. Um, you know, anything that's, let's say, from the body down. Pedicures. Oh, people are a lot more comfortable with having pedis because basically it's they're further away from your head. So, you know, I know you're tall like me, Peter. So bonus. <laughs> we've, we've looked out on that one. Um, but also, um, and I think just, just the, the idea of hands-on, you know, so a lot more touch-free um, treatments ongoing, a lot more tools uh, already happening. LMS have already launched a, a no-touch facial, which is really interesting. And that basically involves tools that are used to massage the face that can be you know also um, easily um, sterilized it involves a lot of light therapy and I'm also expecting to see things like hydrotherapy things coming through what about things like, I mean, we've sort of seen, and I don't know, this is anecdotal, but I've sort of seen from a lot of people that I know, the sort of rise of like the Theragun and those sort of handheld massages at home. Where do you see them fitting into sort of the broader massage therapy landscape moving forward? Are they going to be a replacement or are they just really kind of like a sports or a halfway house or where do you see it? No, I think we're definitely long term going to a much more 
human-free, never mind hands-free, I think we're going human-free long-term in terms of massage. Uh, We're already starting to see robot massages coming through that will replicate um, that sort of human touch. And back in uh, in January when I was in CES, which seems like forever ago now, I had the pleasure of um, trying out some of the massage chairs there, which, you know, at the time it seemed like quite gimmicky and fun and I was sort of aching after a day of trade shows and hopped into one of these chairs and it was amazing it was it really did feel like a a deep tissue sports massage it felt like fingertips it was it was a little uh, unnerving at times but now that suddenly seems you know something that was quite fun and gimmicky suddenly has taken on a lot a a much greater importance and I definitely think we'll see an acceleration of of a lot of the tech that we saw that was was sort of nice to have and gimmicky it suddenly found a new purpose. you've both written so much around designing for distance the rise of the untapped economy um could you both tell us a little bit more about what this will look like for consumers and for retailers maybe laura maybe you can kick off with this one yeah of course um i mean i think you know from a very basic perspective you're talking about built-in distancing so you know social distance markers um queuing markers um you know staggered entering to stores um, and that kind of thing, you know, screens, um, protective measures, that that kind of thing. Um, I think another thing that we've been seeing a lot of is kind of merchandising and product placement for speed. So obviously kind of facilitating a faster experience, a more streamlined trip to the store. So, you know, um, people who just want to get in and out quickly, which is obviously the complete inverse of, you know, what we were talking about for so long in retail, which is all about enabling discovery and encouraging dwell Uh, extending dwell time and things like that so I think you know uh, shifting to this kind of grab and go model maybe even having like a sort of um, quicker entrance and exit for people who want just to come in and uh, grab something and leave and people who want to browse and have a bit more of a leisurely shopping experience which is kind of few and far between these days Um, and then also you know um, designing for distancing of course is all about uh, technology and contactless tech so we're seeing things like um, autonomous stores um, you know the rise of that sort of Amazon Go model of cashierless shopping uh, contactless payments um, built-in drive-throughs and what I was saying earlier about the whole omnichannel explosion so um, you know uh, buy online pick up in store being integrated into physical stores with clearer procedures with better technology to kind of enable that um, and and that kind of thing. Claire, what does it look like for beauty? Well, uh, yeah, it's a real challenge for beauty. As you mentioned earlier, this is a, an industry that's that's built on touch and testing. And I think one of the, the biggest things of design for distancing, one of the biggest challenges is, is how do you safely sample products? Um, in during lockdown and ongoing, we, we saw this real quick uptick of um, virtual try-on tools and um, and, and that's something that's going to going to stick. This is a behaviour that's that's going to carry on. People have got very comfortable with it now. The technology is so good, we can very easily at home or in store um, try a product on. But equally, we still want to touch things. So I think your your experience at um, a beauty counter that's going to be very difficult, different, ongoing. We're looking at also. To, you know, touch re- reducing uh, tools. We're looking at sealed monodose testers. Um, 
single serving dispensers as well of products so that you can still get to to try things very safely um, at countertops but it's going to it's going to be a very different experience it's also you know product design is very interesting how that's affecting because we want to be able to find things on the shelves but we also don't want people to touch pick up and read everything and if you think about you know the way a lot of products are designed a lot of the info that you need tends to be on the back so Already, um, you know, brands need to be thinking about larger fonts, putting the key benefits to the front of a box, using colour to help people navigate shelves and find things quickly. So to go back to Laura's, you know, grab and go sort of ethos, we need to actually be able to help people to find what they need very quickly. Um, QR codes, again, starting to come through so you can very quickly scan a product, find out what the benefits, the ingredients, the details are, and then decide to pick it up. Yeah, and even things like shoppable windows. So shoppable windows were a bit of a trend a few years ago. They never really took off. But now we're seeing, you know, because people are queuing outside stores, especially department stores, for example, retailers are experimenting with QR codes and windows. So, you know, you can see something whilst you're queuing and then you can buy it there and then and then you don't even need to enter the store. So many of these technologies that were fun and gimmicky have now become you know, like real must-haves and have really yeah. found a value I mean, QR codes for such a long time, they kind of were this this real novelty that never took off except for, I mean, they really did take off in Asia, but they never really took off in the West and among a lot of retail pundits, they were kind of seen as a bit of a joke. And now they're becoming mm. really intrinsic and essential to the retail experience. But um, to go back to Claire's point on the labelling, uh, one of the interesting things I saw come out um, as sort of stores were reopening in the UK was that Waterstones, the bookseller, was putting the books with the uh, blurbs facing outwards. So putting the, rather than having their spines out or the covers out, they were having the backs of the books out so that people could read uh, what was on the back of the book and so to understand what it was about without actually out actually having to touch it, which I think is a really interesting shift in terms of mm. how product is displayed. Yeah, I love that. That's really interesting. It's exactly the same thing. Exactly. And uh, there were a few uh, cover illustrators that were getting a little bit upset on uh, Twitter, though, about <laughs> it because their beautiful designs weren't being shown anymore. to and to explore in a little bit more depth uh something we were talking about a little bit earlier um in terms of enhancing intimacy and moving towards a high touch experience what are the, some of the other things that are happening in this space um i think you know it's all about brands trying to recreate that kind of high touch human experience but with technology so kind of connecting people with sales associates um virtually so you know zoom skype facetime whatever um, especially in the luxury end of the market where, you know, it's very hard to sell a very high value item like a watch or something online. Um, you've got watchmakers like Hublot, for example, they've launched like a digital boutique. So they're kind of uh, using Skype and FaceTime um, and sales advisors are actually sort of trying to recreate that level of um, customer experience that shoppers would expect if they were in store, really focusing on sort of personalization and stuff. And then We've also seen a massive rise in texting, not just as a sales channel, but as a kind of customer service tool. So uh, brands setting up kind of WhatsApp groups, beauty brands, especially, I'm sure Claire can talk about that more, but also, um, you know, uh, support networks and creating that kind of emotional connection with the consumer via texting or via WhatsApp for sort of advice or, uh, you know, anything really. 
Yeah, I have been so impressed by the sort of virtual um, appointments and consultations that the the beauty industry has been doing. Um, it, it's it's really brought, as I say, this different level of service, um, and as well as just things like you know online consultancies where you can you know. Um, they just have skin checks and things. There's been some really creative sort of workshop things as well. Fragrance and selling fragrance online, nightmare. How do you do it? And we've seen, um, you know, brands who have set up workshops where you order in advance your, your scenting kit and then you take part in this workshop and it's a whole experience. And then you have people like Face Gym who, you know, they're based on facial yoga exercises. That's the whole thing. You go to the store, you have this at the counter and they took the whole thing online. And that, again, really did feel like, you know, we're talking about touch and the importance of touch. You could you could do it as a group. You could have it do it as a couple, um, and you basically you know had your virtual consultation. You learn how to massage your face and touch yourself, and I I think this creativity has been has been really really impressive, and I've loved it. To wrap up this episode, uh, we'll ask the question that we always do: um, What should companies be doing in the short term and the long term in response to this evolving shift? Uh, Martina, shall we start with you? Sure. In the short term, I believe that companies should focus on fewer but unique uh, human connections. So reduce the touch points in real life, but make these touch points very meaningful and very emotionally charged. And in the long term, I believe they should focus on technology and using technology almost as a emotional enhancer and really using tech applications, tech solutions to enhance these like fewer touch points and make them very emotionally and really reproduce to, through technology the absence of touch and the feeling of human touch and connection. Uh, Laura, would you like to go next? Yeah, so uh, short term, I would say focus on safety, prioritize, um, you know, the safety and the health of your consumers, um, prioritize cleanliness, you know, uh, reassuring messaging, make sure hygiene's front front and center in store. Um, Longer term, it's going to be really important to kind of think about ways of rebuilding intimacy um, in store and how you can kind of make your consumer feel very safe and protected in the long term. So you need to be as agile as possible as well. Like you need to adapt to new platforms, technology, new circumstances, um, and also, you know, be fully prepared for a second wave to hit. And lastly, Claire, what are your short-term and long-term strategies in response? Yeah, I can echo my colleagues, really. I think short term, it's going to be about trust and safety and, and and creating an environment or an experience where people are happy to sample things, to just think of new ways of doing things and focus on that short term. Long term, absolutely tech um, it is going to replace so much of the touch and the intimacy. But I think also really think about this um this this very concierge like this very personal experience that we've managed to create for people and how we can extend that can we take it into products definitely so we're looking at very multi-sensory products we're looking at personal products bespoke products um, blends of, of products that people can really trust and feel very secure in that's all we have time for today thanks for listening to the wgsn podcast if you've enjoyed what you've heard then please subscribe to us you can find us on all major podcast platforms and if you really like what you heard then please leave us a rating and review it really does help us to get the word out there 
In our next episode, Carla Basashi will be speaking to WGSN's food and drink director, Kara Nielsen, on the future of food and drink. But in the interim, if you want to learn more about what we've been talking about, then please head over to WGSN.com to find out how you can get access to much more insight and analysis. And if you're already a WGSN subscriber, head over to the site where we've pulled together all of our research on touch and the contactless economy with key points from this podcast in one handy report. Thanks to our guests for being here. And I'd also like to thank our show producer, Roland Burdenham. And again, thank you for being here. Please stay well and healthy and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.